Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. Each week, we'll be talking with real people with real stories about things they have not said or done or have said or done in their workplace that required bravery. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Ed Everts, and I'm the founder and president of Excellius Leadership Development. Welcome to Be Brave at Work, a podcast devoted to helping you take the next step in your workplace. I hope you'll listen to our past podcast conversations, and if you'd like to hear past episodes, go to BeBraveAtWork.com, subscribe to our podcasts, and learn some valuable lessons about bravery at work. My new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Success, is now available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and any online book retailer you prefer. Check out Drive Your Career today. Our podcast today is sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies. Based in Woburn, Massachusetts, Cabot Risk Strategies has created innovative and customized insurance strategies for individuals and families, businesses, nonprofits, commercial real estate, and public entities. Cabot's client base continues to expand both within the region and within the markets they serve. And if you are looking for customized insurance services and solutions, contact Cabot at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. Our next guest on Be Brave at Work is Catherine Caputa, a keynote speaker and workshop leader on personal branding. Originally trained as an art historian at Harvard University, Catherine decided to follow her dream of being part of the dynamic changes taking place in the world, and she chose the areas of marketing and advertising. She learned positioning strategy and was management supervisor of the iconic I Love New York campaign, which we all know and love, and was the SVP Director of Advertising and Brand at City Smith Barney. Catherine came to appreciate that branding's other great potential was not just for products, but for people. And that's why she founded Self Brand, an organization dedicated to helping people use personal branding insights to achieve career success and personal happiness. Catherine is also the author of five books on personal branding, and her newest book, The New Brand You, introduces the top 10 strategies used by big brands that you can use for personal brand development in the new world of work. Catherine, welcome to Be Brave at Work. Great to be here, Ed. Thanks for inviting me. I shared a little bit of your background with our listeners, and our listeners love to hear from our guests themselves. Could you tell us a little bit more about what you're doing and how you are currently interacting in the marketplace? Sure. Um, I'm an author, speaker, and strategist on personal branding. And my mission is to help people who are smart, hardworking, and good at what they do, but not as good as they'd like to be in terms of branding and marketing themselves. And, you know, that can be a problem, Ed, because as I like to say, today in the new world of work, branding is not optional. You know, you've got hybrid and remote working. It was easy to be invisible in the old way of working, you know, when we all came to the office every day. You know, it's more complicated today with remote and hybrid and a more digital global workplace. Um, it's easy to be invisible, and that's never good. And that's the topic of my new book, The New Brand You, How to Wow in the New World of Work. Well, I love the topic of branding, and I am a former human resources leader for a number of organizations based in New England. And, you know, I probably was in my role just as the topic of branding was in its infancy. So I think I'd love to hear a little bit more about for someone today, you know, what is a brand? Like if I'm interested 
in having a brand that stands out in the marketplace or differentiates me from from others? Is there a, a model or a way you could describe it to our listeners? Yeah, I'm, and I think one easy way to it? describe it is, you know, in the marketing and branding world, what they're doing is attaching an idea to a product. You want to attach an idea to yourself and you want an idea that's you know, authentic, you know, coming out of who you are and what your strengths are, but also that's very focused idea that's different from the way other people are branding and marketing themselves and one that is relevant in the current market. And I think that's very important because, you know, we're in a more competitive world today. So you need, you want to stand for a stand for something of value that's, you know, important, you know, in the new world of work. Again, I think it's such an important area for most of our listeners who I would guess have not spent much time coming up with an idea or a way to create a personal brand. Why do you think for our listeners it makes such an important difference in today's you know ever-changing, ever-evolving work environment? Well, I think it's important to stand for something, you know, and ideally, you know, I think if you look at the, you know, advertising playbook, you know, they, they really often come up with a catchy phrase that you can, that sticks in the mind. And that's what makes it important. For example, when I was, you know, as, as you mentioned, you know, I started out in the, as an art historian in Asian art. And I wanted, at, at some point, I decided, you know, this is not for me. And, um, you know, I was in deep, you know, I was working on a PhD at Harvard. I had worked at the Seattle Art Museum. And I decided to come to New York City. And, you know, the back of my mind was a more dynamic kind of environment in the world of branding and advertising. And so I came and everywhere I went, I was rejected. You know, I was branded as an art historian. I was branded as an academic, as somebody who was too slow and prodding to even get an entry level job in advertising. And I realized, you know, after all those rejections, you know, I had to come up with a better idea for marketing myself. So what I did was I started my pitch changed from, you know, I'm from the, the world of academia and I'm looking to break into advertising. You know, that didn't resonate with anyone. So my new approach was I'm a marketer for difficult products. And I compared organizing shows in uh, Asian art in a Western environment. I had to be more creative and coming up with ideas for naming the shows and putting exhibits together. And so I said, you know, I'm a marketer for difficult products. Put me on your difficult accounts. And, you know, it started resonating and people stopped seeing me as an academic so much as a marketer. And that's how I got my break. And once you get your first job and you're making a transition, you know, you're on your way. Absolutely. It's baby steps to make great, great progress. So do brand statements, Catherine, have to be simple? Like, I'm a marketer for difficult products. Is that the goal? Yeah, you want, you want somebody who is interviewing you to, you know, maybe they're reviewing with people. I, I saw five people today. There's one that I really like. And it would really help if your your idea is in a, you know, I always say brand yourself in a sentence. And you want that sentence to be memorable. And, you know, it's, it's a page from the you know, uh, Hollywood framework, you know, that when they're pitching a new movie, you know, they put it down to like a sentence, like a capturing the idea. Um, you know, for example, for Grey's Anatomy, the pitch was uh, sex in the surgery, you know, so it's like three words, you get what the idea is about, you know, they got the funding and, you know, and so you want to think of doing that for yourself, you know, marketer for difficult products. Later, you know, as you mentioned in the intro, I switched to, um, I, I was at a very strategic agency initially um, doing brand positioning, and but it was basically business to business accounts. And I wanted to 
break into the wider wider world of branding and advertising. And, you know, again, I was branded, but not in the way that I wanted to be branded. I was branded as a strategist. I was branded as a B2B person who didn't work on big accounts with big budgets. And through networking, I got an interview at Wells Rich Green. Uh, they were looking for somebody to head up uh, the Isle of New York campaign. And I'd heard um, from a friend, you know, it was considered a very difficult uh, client to work with because there were a lot of politicians that you had to sell the advertising into. And the last person had difficulty doing that. And so in my pitch, I sort of modified it from I'm a marketer for difficult products to I'm a marketer for um, difficult products and with difficult people. And I talked about, I didn't tell them that somebody had tipped me off with this, but um, I talked about how I brought consensus and I sold advertising in very successfully. So that's how I got the job of, you know, senior VP director of brand for the I Love New York campaign at its ad agency, Wells Rich Green. Well, I love that brand statement that I'm a marketer for difficult people and, uh, excuse me, difficult products and difficult people that might uh, only apply in New York. I'm not sure. <laughs> But, I have to tell you, they have. There's a lot of difficult clients in New York City, and uh, I'm sure there are. Yeah, as I'm, as I'm sure there are uh, all over the country. Right. So I don't mean to put you on the spot, but you know, I'm wondering, and I don't think someone would have a brand statement specific about bravery, because I think bravery is one of the many behaviors a leader needs to demonstrate from time to time as opportunities arise. But you know, how would someone start creating a brand statement? Let's say it is about bravery. Uh, to, to make it more of how they're seen as a leader in an organization. Right. You know, in, in the advertising process, you know, the first stage is market research. And I think what you want to do is do a little research, you know, maybe take a friend out for coffee and say, you know, I'm working on personal branding. And, you know, how do you see me? You know, when, if you were to talk about what my strengths are, what comes to mind and just listen to what they say, don't disagree with them, take some notes and ask them, you know, do you, you know, you know, one of the concepts I, I really want to stand for is bravery, because it's important to me. How have I demonstrated that to you in the workplace? Hear what people say What's and, and, and talk to different people. And you want to understand because it's very important to understand, you know, it's all about perceptions, how people perceive you in the marketplace. And so you really want to understand that. And that's your backbone for building your brand statement. And as I said, you want to brand yourself in a sentence. Think of taglines that you see for products that you like and what makes them special and how to articulate your idea in a sentence that people can remember and tell other people about that it's catchy enough that they can remember your positioning. And it may not only be a behavior or characteristic that you're known for. It might also be a goal, right? Let's say you know that you've not been brave. You might want to work in that direction, right? So uh, I assume these conversations can help you as well. Yeah, exactly. For example, when I got the job in the I Love New York campaign, the the brief for the job was they were looking for somebody with big agency experience that had a lot of television experience. I had almost no television experience. But what I had emphasized in my meeting with them is, you know, I'm very good with difficult clients. And they felt, well, you know, she can handle that. And I learned how to, you know, do big TV campaigns. Yeah, again, I would imagine anybody who put forth that they can work well with difficult people are going to have a little bit of advancement in the game. Right. But you want to find your own niche, you know, your own thing. There's so many uh, values that are important. And, and in the book, I really try to outline 10 
brand strategies that the big brands use and how people have used them to market themselves. And so there's a lot of ways to go that you want to figure out what do you, what perceptions do people have about you and what perceptions do you want them to have about you? And that's the aspirational part of it too. And then I would imagine it also includes and the creation of either behaviors or right. ideas and how to demonstrate those skills or capabilities. Right. Yeah. Example. For example, if you want to be known as a creative person, you want to dress like a creative person. You know, so everything communicates, you know, your visual identity. You want to have everything be, you know, as we say in the business on brand so that it's a consistent message, whether they're you know seeing you online or on your website uh, meeting you in person, um, reading how you write about things. So you want to think of everything you want to be on brand and all communicate the message that you want people to remember about you. And is branding, Catherine, just used for looking for a job? I mean, what other ways can somebody use a brand that they've created for themselves? Well, I think it's important because, um, you know, if you want to get promoted, you know, you really want to be known by people in, you know, because there's the whole perception that in, in branding, there's the visibility principle. The more visible you are, the more well-known you are, with, let's say within your company or within your industry, people think you're better than people they never heard of, you know, or hasn't had that kind of profile. So you want to think of, you know, where are you now? How do people perceive you now? Where do you want to go? What do you want to do with your career? And, you know, a lot of people want to get promoted. So you want to figure out who's my target audience for, you know, getting promoted and what perceptions do they have of me? What do I want them to think about me? And, um, you know, get involved in things that bring, you know, that, that communicate where you want to go. That's what's key to the whole thing. And I think it's not just, you know, big part of it, of course, is looking for a job, but it's promotion. A lot of people at some point, you know, want to be successful. And I think particularly in the hybrid workplace um, or the remote workplace, you know, it's easy to become invisible and that's never good. (laughs) You know, you want to be visible. You want to be known for something. You want to have a good network. Um, All these things are important. You know, at some point you may want to do something entrepreneurial, and, you know, all of these things that play into the strengths of what personal branding can help you do. Well, coincidentally, you're speaking with someone who authored a book called Raise Your Visibility and Value. Right. About uh, ensuring that you stay visible within your organizations and industries, as well as ensure if you are visible, that the value you provide is known, right? That it's not unknown. Yeah. And I think there's ways to communicate that, you know, a lot of different ways. Um, you know, for example, a uh, a colleague of mine goes, uses the word accountability. One of the things in branding you want to think about is, you know, owning a word, owning a word in the mind. You see it a lot in, let's say, the car category. You know, you know, Volvo was, initially was with the whole service, you know, the, the safety message that they communicated. And, you know, it was a, a, a message and an attribute that no one else owned at the time. No one was advertising safety when Volvo first started doing it. Now, of course, everybody's talking about it, so they have to fine-tune what their brand positioning is about. But it's that whole idea of owning a word, figuring out what word you want to stand for. For example, um, somebody I know wants to stand for accountability in his company. And, um, you know, so he put a lot of metrics in place to measure you know, client satisfaction, how long it took to do things. There was, you know, supply chain issues. So he became known for that. And that's a very valuable attribute in the kind of industry that he's in. 
So all these things can be helpful, you know, in terms of your career success. And how about you, Catherine? Many of our guests have shared a story from their past where they did not demonstrate bravery to the degree that upon reflection they should have. And I'm wondering if you have a story you can share with our listeners about a time you didn't show bravery and the impact that had that has had on you. Um, well, you know, obviously there are a lot of times when I wasn't brave at work, but um, I'm going to tell you about one of the first times. Um, my first job after college was my dream job. You know, it was curatorial assistant and Asian art at the Seattle Art Museum. And this was pre-internet. I got the job through letters sent back and forth. There were a couple phone calls. And in the course of the, you know, interview process, the curator of Asian art mentioned that they were going to do a book on the Asian art collection in the museum. So my pitch changed a bit because I wanted to, I was originally a journalism major at Northwestern. And so I pitched myself as an art art historian who could write. And, and it really helped me stand out from others that were competing for that job. And there were quite a few right in Seattle because the University of Washington has a very good Asian art and Asian uh, history uh, school. And so you're competing with those and um, people that have a very targeted background. But because they were going to do the book, they really, you know, honed in on my pitch and what I could bring to the party. And um, so after graduation, you know, I, my hometown was Miami, Florida. I went home, saw my family, and I bought a red VW bug, no air conditioning, and set off from Miami, Florida to Seattle, Washington with my sister. And in this Volkswagen bug was all my possessions in the world and our camping gear. And we travel all the way there. And I go in, my sister flies back to Florida. And my first day on the job, I'm introducing myself to the receptionist and I'm approached by the president of the museum who told me that the curator wasn't authorized to hire me and I had no job. And then the the curator comes and tells me to call him in a couple of days. So here I was thousands of miles from home. I knew no one in Seattle. My sister had flown back. I was crying in my car. Where do I go? What do I do? I felt hopeless. I certainly didn't feel brave. And, you know, I was caught in this crossfire between these two gentlemen, you know, and the the guy that that was the president of the museum was telling me there was no job. So I called the only person I kind of vaguely knew, the, the landlady that I'd rented an apartment from two days earlier and explained my situation. And, you know, I'm crying on the phone. I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And she said, well, come, come to my house and I'm going to invite an entrepreneur over who also lives in your building. And um, so I'm telling them my story. And the woman entrepreneur, Leela, said to me, do you have a contract? I said, no, I don't have a contract. And she said, do you have a letter offering you the job? And I said, yes. And she said, that's your contract. March back in there tomorrow with your letter. And, you know, you have to be brave. And that was the most reassuring words I ever heard. And, uh, you know, I took my first, you know, courageous step in the workplace, you know, when I marched in there the next day with my letter and said, you know, you have to honor this. I, you know, moved cross country to live here. And so, you know, I did. And I stood up for myself. And, you know, important lesson I learned from this is if you don't stand up for yourself, who will? You know, and so that's how I 
you know, survive that awful, terrible first day. And initially, uh, no, no bravery shown, but, you know, I got kind of pushed in the right direction and it was, you know, changed my life. Well, thank you for sharing that story, Catherine. And A, I can't imagine getting terminated on your first day (laughs) by someone who says, you know, the person who hired you didn't have the authority. And uh, be a little bit clear on what happened. So you went back in, said you need to honor this. So did they hire you? Yeah, they hired me back. And yeah, I ended up working there for four years. And I worked on international exhibits. We worked on this book of the collection that was published. And I was listed as uh, on the front page as one of the writers of it. So that was great. Um, I started working on a PhD at Harvard. I was in deep. And then here's my second little lack of bravery story. I started to have my doubts. Do I want to do this for the rest of my life to stay, to be an Asian art historian? It was kind of a sleepy business in a lot of ways. And then I thought, you know, it's not me. But I didn't have the courage to leave because I was in so deep. You know, I was at Harvard. I spent two years in Japan doing the research on my PhD. And my PhD friends all told me to hang in there, stick with it. My professor, when I told him I was questioning my career as an art historian, he screamed at me. And so the turning point was, you know, I had lunch with a, a colleague who was a year ahead of me that had trouble finding work that was another Asian art historian. And, you know, he said, you know, trust your instinct. So I followed my dream of going to the capital of the world, New York City, you know, and I jumped into the dynamic world of advertising and marketing. And I mentioned earlier, that was when I realized I had a lousy pitch and I changed my pitch to, uh, you know, marketer of difficult products. And I broke into the advertising business in New York City. Wow. Well, Catherine, thanks again for sharing both those stories. And again, uh, nobody cares more about you than yourself. So whether it's your career or your personal life or your goals and objectives, there are people who love you. There are people who think about you, but nobody thinks more about you than you. So thank you for reminding us of that. And if folks want to get in contact with you or find out more about you, where can they go? Okay. So my website is selfbrand.com, S-E-L-F-B-R-A-N-D.com. You can also find me on katherinecaputa.com, Catherine with a C and Caputa with a K. Um, anyway, and I have some useful resources there. Great, great. Well, I hope folks check it out. And Catherine, thanks again for being a guest on Be Brave at Work. Ed, thanks for inviting me. I really appreciated it. And to our listeners, thank you for joining us today. And we hope you join us on our next podcast conversation as we further explore being brave at work. We also remind you to subscribe to our podcast at bebraveatwork.com and or download and listen to our podcast on multiple online platforms. We are everywhere. Our podcast today was sponsored by Cabot Risk Strategies, whom you can reach at 800-222-5963 or visit them for more information at cabotrisk.com. And a reminder to check out my new book, Drive Your Career, Nine High-Impact Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Own Success, which is available in paperback, on Kindle, and in audio everywhere online. Do you have something to say, yet are not saying it? Do you have something to do, yet are not doing it? Now is the time to be brave at work. Have a great week.